I didn't listen to any of this leading into it, is what I was going to say. Oh, no. I mean, like, I've heard it all, but I just, I haven't had time to I had fucking to, sit and listen to all of it. I had to pick, like, on something else, I'm like, I don't know that one as well, so I'm like, fuck, man. I'm going to listen to this whole thing over. Yeah. And came to my conclusion. All right, so welcome back to the show, people. Um, episode 12, 13, mm-hmm. 14, 12, no, 13. We're on I, a just re- I just released 12. Episode 13. Lucky number 13. So we're going to uh, try something new and uh, have somebody else host the show. So yes. <laughs> but uh, we kind of came up with what we think would be like a good starting point for somebody to get into jazz, and we're going to try our uh, damnedest to uh, tell you how they sound. I guess just listen to us talk shit. I don't, I don't know where I'm going with this. <laughs> But yeah. we're not jazz aficionados, I think is what you're yeah, trying to I'm say. Just, yeah, I'm just saying. I love the genre, and I think it's my most collective. Like, I hunt that out exclusively for records at this point. Yeah. I mean, I pick up shit that I like that comes out or whatever, but jazz is the only thing that I really look forward to now. Cause because you know, it's new. to It's, like, newer to us, I yeah. think. I've only been and listening to it for, like, Ten years at the most. Yeah, see, I got like four or five. That's what I mean. Yeah, it's like it's an old man's fucking music. But it's the true American art form. Yeah, definitely. It is the only like natural genre of music I think that we started. Yeah, it didn't get stolen from something else. Even though a bunch of white people tried to make some soft jazz afterwards. Blue eyed jazz? I don't know, fucking uh, Herbie Man and shit yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. The easy listening stuff. It's like how when rock and roll got softened up. Yeah, 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 yeah. Same thing happened with jazz. I anyway, it's happened with so, everything, man. Metal, fucking. Yeah, that's true. Everything that kind of happens to happen to punk. Yeah, but I think it's different. In this case, yeah, it's definitely like. Different. Because it was like rock and roll, jazz, funk, etc. That was black music. Like it it was started by and pioneered by. Well, you can root it to the blues and then root it to the blues. Yeah, blues too. I should have threw that in there also. And then it got taken and softened up is what I was trying to get at. But with metal, I mean, who knows who actually really started it. It's debated. Uh, every which way possible, you know. Some say it's Black Sabbath. Some say it's Dust. Some say, well, uh, you know. If you go, it's all from around the same time, right? Yeah. So by the mid-'80s, motherfuckers are using hairspray, spandex. It's the biggest fucking music form on the planet. Yep. And it sucks. <laughs> you know, like, I'm sorry anybody out there that loves it, but I, I, I can't handle it, man. I own no Motley Crue. The hair metal scene? Yeah, it's just... That's true. I've always thought about that, how you... I've never seen you buy any hair metal. Oh, man. I don't fuck with it. I don't really have much of it. I like Overkill, 
But that's not hair. That's thrash. Yeah, that's thrash. But yeah, I don't have any Motley Crue. I don't have any um, White Snake, anything oh. like that. It's not to say that people shouldn't listen to it or whatever. It's no, just, I have Def Leppard. I love Def Leppard. I just heard too much of it growing up with it, I guess. Oh, fuck yeah. That's where I'm at, man. And I uh, I work with people who listen Only to listen it. Only listen to exclusively Yeah, that. it's just yeah. butt rock, man. And I'm like, glad they made earplugs. Or loud grinders and shit. Yeah, something to block out the fucking nightmare. So anyway. I don't remember if you said what we're doing for this episode. Because I, don't I either. think you got. We just start talking. But I think you like veered off on another path. We're basically doing a starter pack of genres, and we're gonna start with jazz. And if anybody's out there, they like it, or they think we should do a different genre after this, you know, let us know. So these will be ten albums that. If you're already fluent in jazz, these are going to be probably albums that you've already heard. A thousand times. And so this episode might not be for you. But if you're somebody who's like, I've heard a little bit of peace here and there and would like to get into it, then this would be for you. Or would like to get into it and you don't know where to start, this would right. be for you is what I should have said. It's it's very addicting. It is, it's a cool rabbit hole to dig into Definitely. because I think I said this on the Supergroups episode, but jazz sit-ins and song, or the, the way they piece together the albums, it's like they're bringing together Supergroups all the time. Yeah, because yeah. There's all these different musicians from like Blue Note and Columbia and Verve and Impulse and et cetera that sit in on other records. Yeah. And you can get, do that. make their own supergroups. Like you might have an album with Art Blakey and Miles Davis and Coltrane on it, or, or you know, uh, Sonny Rollins and Sonny uh, Stitt with Dizzy Gillespie. Um, I don't know. Like a lot. There's all types of vi- different variations. Like Art Blakey has the Jazz Messengers, and there's I don't like 80 different members that have come through out there. I think Lee Morgan started as a jazz messenger, if I remember yeah, correctly. Did. And we'll get to him. Um, usually the first one that comes to mind that will introduce most people to jazz is going to be Miles Davis' Kind of Blue. The yeah. biggest selling jazz album of all time. Yeah, and yeah, it's, um, it is. It's like the mo- It's probably the most... But famous, like hard bop. Yeah. It's not even really hard. I mean, it it's is like hard cool, bop, but it's like. It's the cool. Cool, mellow, yeah, slow. Yeah, that shit. But it's often said that if you were to own just one jazz album, it would be kind of blue. Correct. Yeah. I love it. I mean, the shit, like, that's kind of like what gatewayed me into everything else. You look at who plays on it and. Yeah, there's Paul Chambers. It's like the most amazing lineup. Bill Evans, Miles, John Coltrane, um, Cannonball Adderley, James Cobb, Wynton Kelly. I wrote Paul Chambers twice on there. Because he plays a double bass. <laughs> yeah, it's a great album. Um kind of slower most of it but it does have some pieces that pick up a bit and 
I know, like, track one has been heavily sampled on a lot of hip-hop stuff. Like, Erica Badu did it for one of her songs. Um, I know the Roots have sampled some of Kind of Blue. Oh, I'm sh- dude, that record's probably been torn apart pretty good, I would imagine, over the years. As yeah. far as getting breaks out of it. Yep. I really love um, Blue is Green. That's probably my favorite song on there. But I like that real, like, I like that smooth, slow yep. style. I like Freddie Freeloader. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a little funky. Yeah. See, I like the smooth, cool side of things. But, you know, on this record. Um, That was probably Miles' most successful record, aside from maybe Bitches Brew. Um, I not for sales. Kind of blue definitely tops that, but kind of or um, I'm sorry, bitches brew is also talked about in the same regard yeah, yeah. as it being like the pioneer of fusion jazz type of thing. Well, that's like on the kind of blue. What I was thinking of it was now it might not seem like it, but at the time it came out in '58, '59. Oh, I'm sorry, '59. It was uh fucking mind-blowing to everybody else how how he played and how they wrote the music and shit you know what i mean yeah and then he redid it like you said on bitches brew i've heard that miles plays with his horn facing down so he can hear the sound coming back up at him so he knows what he's playing oh okay that makes i can't sense. remember who told me that but it might have been john maybe that makes sense or I might have just read it somewhere, I don't know. But another cool thing that I didn't mention about jazz in general is there are a lot of albums that were just one take. Like, they went in the studio, recorded a jam session, and knocked it all out, and there's the record right there, which isn't often done by many musicians. Well, I just like I like the whole uh, scene is how, like what we were touching on earlier with the, everybody could be from whatever label, but everybody's hanging out in the same club and they're like, fuck it, man, you want to play, you want to play, all right. And then yeah. just, and then like a bomb ass fucking records made, you know? It's and just, then think of all the things that were just all the nights in Harlem and stuff where there was bars where somebody was in the crowd and he was like, like we've both read Miles' book. Yeah. Like, somebody was in the crowd and came up and was playing a sit-in on a, some random set. It was never recorded or nothing, but it could have been the greatest thing ever. And it seemed like jazz musicians were always in competition with each other. Right, this they were guy always wanted to be it. Yeah, this guy wanted to be better than Charlie Parker, and this guy wanted to be better than Miles, this guy wanted to be better than Coltrane, etc. And they were always trying to one-up each other but in sort of a friendly competition way like they had enough respect as musicians to each other to acknowledge what they're doing right but they all would want to challenge themselves yeah exactly they pushed each other yeah you don't really see that um too much anymore no because people are just worried about sales and money and the persona that they. but i mean yeah even in in um like other genres and shit that's kind of unique to jazz really yeah you know that's cool because there's typically a lot of 
rivalry oh, in other definitely. genres. Like, I'm sure there's a lot of metal bands that love Metallica, and I'm sure there's a lot of metal bands that hate Metallica for different reasons. Yeah. But all right, uh, after Kind of Blue, we have John Coltrane, Blue Train, and then we also added in Love Supreme, which Blue Train is kind of the equivalent to Kind of Blue, I would say. Yeah, with the smoothness and the coolness. Not really. the Yeah, well, the smoothness and the coolness in general, but just when you think of Kind of Blue... If you know a little bit past kind of blue, you think of blue. Train. You immediately know blue train too. Right. I don't know like a ton of uh, backstory on blue train. Just to you know, I'm not gonna bust out a million and one details here, but I do know the lineup is Lee Morgan, Philly Joe Jones, Paul Chambers, who was on kind of blue, and yep. Coltrane was or yeah, I'm sorry, kind of blue. All these blues are mixing. I know. Up. Um, Coltrane and Paul Chambers were both on Kind of Blue. And Kenny Drew and Curtis Fuller are also on Blue Train. Yep. And Paul Chambers on bass and Philly Jones on drums. Yep. Who would you say your favorite jazz drummer is? Who would I? That isn't Art Blakey. That is not Art Blakey? Yeah. Max Roach, probably? Okay. Why do you ask, sir? I was just, just curious because Philly Joe would be mine. That is oh, okay. Art. Like Art, I think is my favorite. But yeah, Art Blakey's my favorite. Yeah. You said I couldn't pick him, so I because well, that's the obvious. <laughs> like, the man's got the hardest snap, I oh. think, in jazz, and he just plays so heavy-handed. Like I love listening to his breakdowns because he he just really lays the shit up. Yeah, there. he fucking hits him, dude. So. While we're on the topic of Art Blakey, Art Blakey Moanin' is another album on the list. And also for listeners, I will put this entire list in the description of this episode so you don't have to sit and write this down if you're interested in checking out any of these or all of them or whatever. Check Uh, them all out. Check the description of the episode and I'll have the list put in there for you. Okay, like so we're talking about Art Blakey's Moanin'? Yep. Lee Morgan's on there too. Yeah, Lee Morgan's. He's that's not, that's coming up next, or I think. But and during the time of recording all this, if I remember correctly, Lee Morgan was only like twenty or twenty-one or something like that. Just like a when kid. He was, yeah. Oh shit. And he's playing with these jazz legends right. at the time. Well, like on on Monin, I think that I, that stands out to me. Because that's if that's kind of the only Art Blakey cool kind of it's like it isn't really, but it's like the it has slowest a one he did. Softer, maybe. yeah, it's like so, yeah. yeah. But <clears throat> like it almost good. sounds like it's lightly muted on the trumpets and stuff. Um, yeah. Which Lee Morgan's trumpet could have been, maybe I don't know. I didn't want to overwhelm people with right, a million and one shit. things because if, you know, somebody's, not everybody's going to take the time to listen to all 10 of these albums or even any of them if you're not interested or whatever. Right. But, which I guess if you're not interested, people will probably just skip this episode. But Don't skip it, man. It's cool shit. Oh, I don't, I'm not encouraging them to. I'm just saying oh, that no. I would think that they would. 
But, I mean, there's going to be shit for every, <coughs> some people that isn't Excuse for other me. people. Oh, most definitely. You'll notice that a lot of these are Blue Note releases, too. Yeah, like like we were saying, with the intermingling of all these different artists at the same places, Blue Note just, I love, that label just makes they have great the best, fucking albums. Best label in jazz, I would say. But like kind of blues on Columbia, um, yeah. Billy a Holiday is on Impulse or no, no no Verve I'm sorry Verve yeah and I think there's like one other oh Love, Love Supreme is on, on Impulse on, yeah ABC. Love Supreme's on Impulse yeah. but Blue Train's on Blue Note which uh, and actually like- Miles had an album on Blue Note too I think it was. Kind of, or uh, Birth of the Cool was on Blue Note. Was it? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I'd have to double check when I go home, but I'm pretty sure I have a Blue Note reissue of Birth of the Cool. I think I have. Then I don't have a Blue Note version of it. Then I'd have to check too. I'll check when I get home, and then we'll re-record this episode. So I, I can do drop have that a Blue in. Note Miles album though. Yeah, it's it's white. Oh, fuck, I can. I don't, a yeah. lot of his stuff was on Columbia, Ooh. though. Oh, well, I think that was his longest contract. Columbia, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, what did we have after our Blakey? Oh, Sonny Rollins, saxophone Colossus. That is also Which, like a pretty high selling album, if I'm not mistaken, isn't it? Yeah, it's one of the like jazz standard albums. If you're talking, right? The big group of main jazz musicians. Yeah, it's looked at as like a must-own. Yeah. And that's like a very, I don't want to say electric, because it's not electric literally, but it's very lively if you're comparing it to Kind of Blue. Right, right. It's real like up-tempo, if you will. Yeah. yeah. And that's what I like a little more about Blue Train than Kind of Blue, uh-huh. is because Lee Morgan's trumpet licks are just like fire throughout yeah, the whole yeah, track. Yeah, yeah. Like he lights the whole thing up. Whereas Miles, like, yeah, he's a legend and whatever, but he has this softer tone on that record. Um, so I guess they're two records for two different times, kind of. Right. Well, and Kind of Blue, after digging into jazz, Kind of Blue is farthest from my favorite album, you know what I mean? Yeah, it, my, in, mine too. In Miles, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway. You want to get to Lee Morgan? Here's Lee Morgan, the oh, Sidewinder. Yeah. Lee Morgan, Sidewinder. Yeah, that that which is another Blue ass. Note release, and I think it was Lee Morgan's first big release, like as a band leader, if I remember correctly. Yep, and uh, it became Blue Note's best-selling record ever. Oh, really? And it saved the label from bankruptcy. I did not know this until I was like looking in to him for this fucking episode and what uh, year was sidewinder 63 okay and they only pressed 4,000 copies when it was released they ran out in four days so it became like a runaway smash and uh yeah because he was really popular yeah. prior to that because he was on, like, of the pop chart and shit yeah because of him playing with coltrane and miles and he was in the um the jazz messengers for a little bit and yeah, whatnot. Yeah. So he already had all this notoriety 
in the jazz community, but then when he came out with his own albums, my favorite Lee Morgan is The Cooker, which I was going to put on here, but I would say The Sidewinder is an easier introduction to right. if you were looking to get into Lee Morgan. Or you could just listen to Blue Train if you were trying to get into him because that will lead you right to it. That's how I figured him out. A lot yeah. of times with jazz when I'm listening to an album – I like how Blue Note gives like the description. Oh yeah, you can read on there's the back. There's a whole big everything. thing on the back, yeah. and then there's always photos that Francis Wolf took of the studio settings yep. and the people doing things. And um, like Rudy Van Gelder would be in there and fucking setting up mics under pianos and all, all the weird spots that he put them up. And it yeah. they just make a really cool package. But I would always read those find who's in the band and you hear a good bass line you're like oh who's that that's paul chambers yep, so like yep. a sweet trumpet like oh who's that's that that's so lee like, morgan addicting about it and then you go on to their other stuff and they've sat in with so and so and blah 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 like pharaoh sanders i figured out from john coltrane um or actually it might have been from alice coltrane but either way i figured out alice from john so right, indirectly right, right. it was john anyway yeah, it's definitely you just you can grab a Blue Note album and you'll fucking learn a lot of shit off of like one just reading the back. And you can pretty much buy them blindly. Yeah, and you're and like, you'll get something good. I've yet to buy a bad Blue Note album. Not even just quality wise, but music wise. Right, I've yet right. to hear a That's bad I mean. Blue Note album. Um, Joe, I want to before we jump into the next album, yep. Joe Henderson. That's on. The Sidewinder is an amazing sax player, and he's not on this list, but if you're into jazz and you haven't looked into Joe, look into Joe, because he is great. But Right on. Next one. Um, something else. Yep. Cannonball Adderley, Something Else, which this album has Miles on it and Art Blakey. And this is Cannonball's only Blue Note album. I have some other albums of his, but I can't think of his label. I, I have, have one like a, from Limelight. I have a Live in Chicago um, and a couple other ones, but I can't remember what his label was. Limelight? I've, yeah, I have a Cannonball and Coltrane, and that's on Lime, Limelight. He was a label jumper, too, though. Yeah, he was. I've been listening to this for the last couple of days. And I love that, again, that this one's, like, the first track's, like, real smooth. Miles' is the first solo on it, so I fucking love. Yeah, it is, um, I think I listened to that record more than Kind of Blue at this point. Right. I've just heard so many different versions of Kind of Blue is all. Well, like, it, yeah. I, I just heard another one, that. the the UHQR Analog Productions one. is kind of like the predecessor to the Mobile Fidelity one. Right. Um. Which I think was better sound-wise, because the Mobile Fidelity one has a lot of bass. Yeah, I've heard that, that they get, uh, like, quote-unquote remastered for today's fucking whatever. Yeah. It still sounds great, but the other one took or pulled back on the bass as well. So Cannonball had released something else, and this is another one of those jazz standard albums to where if you were to ask uh, anybody... 
fluent in jazz, this would be probably in their top 10, somewhere near Kind of Blue, I would imagine. Well, of course, there's this uh, Penguin book. It's the Penguin Guide to Jazz. It's like the standard every of all like jazz albums and blah, you know, how they're rated. And they all say a little something. And this one is considered a part of like their core collection, basically. Like, just like what we're giving you, you need to hear it. Like if Rolling Stones did a, which they probably have done a top 50 jazz albums, I guarantee it's in the top 10. Oh, for sure. And it'll be somewhere by Kind of Blue, like I said, or next to Blue Train, something blue. Blue Note had a thing for blue. If you ever go look at all their covers, they were always, almost always, a blue hue to them. Some of them were pink. I have a Tina Brooks album that was pink. I know Sonny Rollins live at Village Vanguard is kind of purplish pink. I love the cooking. The Lee Morgan cooking is like red. That one's kind of red, yeah. And so is there the Blakey that's like bright red? Because they don't do that's that very much. Roots and Herbs. Yeah. Blakey is bright red. It's cool. Next one is um, Chet Baker Sings. Chet Baker is a trumpet player. And uh, he did sing. I, I mean, his voice is... Tried to sing. That's what I mean. Some people think he tried to sing. It's a his voice is acquired, but his trumpet playing is fucking like what they would call like West Coast cool. It's real like soothing, slow. It was very Charlie Parker and Miles influenced. Right, right. Um, I remember Miles in his book talking about how. He didn't like him yeah, because um, he thought yeah. he was ripping him off. Fuck yeah, like they did not, no, they did not get along. And Chet Baker kind of seemed, from my understanding, because I read his book too, is he kind of just dick rode fucking Miles. You know, like he was always trying to be like, Miles, check that, Miles, Miles, you know. Yeah. And anyway, so he, you know, his backstory is pretty interesting. I guess that contradicts our thing about, jazz musicians being cool with all one another. Right. There was, like, a little, some rivalries here and there, but I guarantee, like, if Chet Baker and Miles were in a room together and Miles was like, fuck that, quit shit talking, let's right. Let's let the music do the talking, like, they would respectfully play against each other. Definitely. Be like a, a rap battle, but with trumpets. Well, I think, you know, another reason they didn't like him is he's, you know, he's white. Back then, it was like, they looked at him like, why are you trying to steal my shit, white boy? Yeah. Because it was like a black-based culture then. And uh, I'm not super big on vocal jazz. Right. I prefer my shit without vocals. I do, too. But but there are a few people that I like. Chet Baker, I do. I don't really care for Chet Baker. Right. But I know that he's good enough to make the list. Right. Like, I can respect him in that regard. Right. But I don't really listen to him. Yeah, see, I do. And, but at the same time, I'll be honest, his fucking backstory is, like, kind of pulls you in. And then... Yeah, I remember you talking you kinda about understand his book. why it, like... I don't know. Then the music coming out of him like makes a lot more sense, I guess, when you know where he's coming from. Yeah. But uh yeah, his singing is sometimes not that great. But this next one's 
the best voice in jazz, I would say. Yeah. Uh, then that would be Billie Holiday. Uh, we chose the lady. Uh, we chose the album "Lady in Satin," which I would say is her most popular album or most well-known album. Yeah, it's a I don't, little bit later. I don't know for sure that it would be her best best vocal performance, just because uh, she sounded pretty rough. Yeah. But at the same time, that's kind of what appeals to the album. That's is what I the think. rough sounding voice. It's like a real voice. Yeah. But she, and if you read the back of the album, it's like, talks about how record producers at the time wanted her to sound a certain way and wanted her to get rid of the grit and try to kind of have a lighter, more feminine, more approachable voice. And her rebuttal to that is, why the fuck do I want to sound like everybody else? Like, I'm me. Let me sing for me. Or let me sing as me. And then I remember, like, it's saying that uh, obviously she was either still a junkie at the time or recovering and she was drinking like four vodka and club sodas like every recording session or something yeah that'll f- that, I mean yeah that's but another a, one with a crazy backstory yeah I've got some live Billy Holiday records that are really good yeah. like to the point of where like you can hear her crying and like trembling and shit while she's singing like that's how how much emotion she puts into the music which is another reason why i like it so much because it's it's like real real and raw and not we're gonna filter this for radio play we're gonna filter this so like these people can relate to it it's like no i'm getting this shit off my chest i don't give a fuck what you have to say about it there's an old movie called um Lady Sings the Blues starring Diana Ross. That's a pretty pretty good movie about, like, all the craziness in her early life. Yeah, and there's a soundtrack by Billy that goes with that. Yeah, yeah. Um, how many did we even get out already? One, two, we three, four, two five, left, six, seven, eight. Nine. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay, we got two. Well, Coltrane's Blue Train and Love Supreme were just counting as one. Okay. So technically the list is 11. Oh, yeah, it's cool we got, me. Because we got Wayne Shorter, Speak No Evil next. Okay. And then the one that follows that would be 11. Gotcha. Um, Speak No Wayne Evil. Shorter, Speak No Evil, another Blue Note release. Uh, Wayne Shorter is another very famous sax player and is accompanied by Freddie Hubbard on this album, who's a very famous trumpeteer for Blue Note. And then Herbie Hancock, who's probably the biggest jazz pianist there is, I would say. Most famous, definitely. Yeah. And then Ron Carter, I know, is on bass. The first time I ever heard Ron Carter's name was in that Tribe Called Quest song. Oh, okay. He gives a shout-out to Ron Carter. Yeah, that's fucking right, dude. I didn't even put that together. (laughs) Yeah. That was part of what helped get me into jazz. I mean, Tribe Called Quest did it just by their samples and stuff. But uh-huh. I remember Q-Tip would always name drop all these people that he was sampling and stuff. And I would be at the, the record store, like, fucking pick this up. And you're like, oh, Ron Carter's on here. Right. I know that name. And, like, get it. Or, like, Lonnie Liston-Smith. Like, get that. So that's a cool connection between hip-hop and yeah. jazz. Uh, the first time I heard jazz, man, Cosby's, I think. Cosby's? Yeah, the Cosby's show. 
So oh, like he put on a jazz record or something? Yeah, like he did all the time. So like, and it made it fucking weird, but he would all like, Bill would fucking put on a record every now and then and he'd fucking dance all like Bill stupid to it. Yep. And it was always like some fucking jazz and shit. Splendiferous pudding pop dance. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I was trying <laughs> That's to That's probably think. where Carlton got his dance from. Could have been. It's a good steal. Anyway, the last one is another vocalist. I would almost say, like, hell. She's not... Competition as far as, like... She's a lot different than, say, a Billie Holiday. But I would put her up there with her. Does that make sense? Like, it's just different, a different style. I think style. she's a more formal singer. Right. Like, they're both... Like it Amazing almost sounds what they do. Yeah, yeah. It almost sounds like she was more classically trained, I guess, even though you know, this is classic right, at the right, time right. period, but like whatever she was influenced by sounded a little more soft than what Billy Yeah, did. it was way more like mass appeal. Yeah. And so we picked the Cold Porter song songbook and that just gets high regards as because it's all like Cole Porter standards. I'm trying, I know there's a couple songs on here that the names of them will stand out to some people. Oh, where's the? Where is it? Where is it? Well, see now I can't. I don't know where it went. Oh, I've got you under my skin. Like that was written that long ago. Like I didn't even know that shit. Nineteen fifty six. That's when the album was recorded. I don't know when that song was written though. But um I don't did she originally do the song? No, it's just like a standard that It's not a Screamin' Jay Hawkins song, is it? No. Okay. I think you asked me that when we were talking about this record actually. You Maybe. did. Did I? Yeah. Cuz it sounds like a fucking Screamin' Jay Hawkins song. Shout out to Jay Hawkins. I love that. That's a good album too. Anyway, that's, that's For some reason, I can't think of the name of the album right now. Isn't it like a night with Screaming Jay or yeah. something like that? An evening with, I think. Yeah. But anyways, um, a couple honorable mentions that I wanted to throw in there would be Charles Mingus, Mingus, um, uh, Pharaoh Sanders, Message from Home, Hank Mobley, Soul Station, um, Joe Henderson's Live at the Village Vanguard is really good. I gotta throw Monk in there somewhere. Brilliant Corners. I love it. That's probably my favorite Monk album. The piano playing on that is great. But yeah, so like I said before, we'll put all of this in the description of the episode so you can just see the list and grab whatever it was that might have caught your attention. And we plan to probably put together a few more of these for different genres of music like we might do a black metal one a death metal one yeah hip-hop could be any could be literally any genre except polka because i probably couldn't fit together 10 albums i couldn't even tell you one to be honest with you on that genre dude that's the one genre i can't get into I know a few people around here that we could uh interview though that know some motherfucking polka yeah. Surrounded by Polish folks, man. Coming soon. <laughs> what the fuck was the name of Gus that was in the 
the polka band and uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Home Alone. Was it Home Alone? Yeah, it's Home Alone. Yep. <laughs> Fuck it, I can't remember polka, his polka. name. John yeah. Candy. John Candy. Yep. I can't remember his name. It's like Gus Macker or something, but that's the basketball guy. But yeah, he had like I can't remember his name, but he's all like, "Yeah, you might recognize me." That shit's no? fucking hilarious. We had a hit, polka, polka, polka. Anyway, so, thanks for listening. Yeah, uh, jazz. If you're getting into it, just check out Blue Note. It'll lead you in all the right paths that you need to go down. And then, if you have any musical exploration inspiration you'll just read artists and lead yourself to other shit yeah that's but what i love about these it. are the 10 that we figured would start you off on the right path to get you where you want to go definitely right it's rainy and cold and shit so we're about to get out of here and i'm gonna go home and listen to jazz but yeah thanks for listening we'll have another episode for you very soon and hit us up on the Instagram if you found some jazz from here that you were into or we helped you f- discover something that you might not have known yet if you were already into the genre. Yeah, dude, let us know some shit. All right, peace. Later. <laughs>